I'm Sierra Reed Linkson, and this is the HIPAA Critical Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Anna Scheiss, co-founder and general partner of Healthy Ventures. Today, she is going to shed light on a variety of topics such as challenges for health systems, why modern data architecture is important, fintech, and what is on the horizon for healthcare. Hey, Anya, thanks for joining me today. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Hi, Anya, can you provide some background on Healthy Ventures? Yeah, sure. Healthy Ventures is an early stage fund um, targeting really the sort of core guts of healthcare technology. So we call it infrastructure, middleware, um, things like that. Really companies that are helping the business of healthcare work. Okay, great. And do you mind providing some additional background on yourself and your focus as co-founder and general partner? Yeah, I've been in healthcare since 1996. My first job was with a company called Isaacs Technologies um, when I was very young um, and have sort of been in healthcare ever since. So until 2008 was more on the operating side, since 2008 have been on the investing side. Okay. Um, started out my investing career doing more um, life sciences, so bio, biopharmaceuticals, medical device, diagnostics, things like that. Uh, and then at Healthy Ventures, which we started in 2015, um, have been more on the health technology side. Okay. And I know from doing some research on you that you are very knowledgeable in regard to cybersecurity as it relates to healthcare. Do you have any advice for our healthcare listeners? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, healthcare is one of the more breached industries, right? So we have definitely a problem of security in general, but also healthcare data is much more valuable on the black market than, for example, financial data. I mean, largely because it's immutable, right? Your health doesn't, your fundamental health, your, you know, genetic code, stuff like that doesn't change. So we can all close down credit cards and open up new credit cards, but you can't, you know, change your health that rapidly. Right, right. So, um, so it's obviously a big problem. Um, where we see a lot of the issues today are in places like health systems, which have a couple of really big challenges, right? One challenge is they're a campus, mm. right? And whenever you're trying to provide campus-wide security, um, that's a much more difficult you know, thing to do. Right. Um, but secondly, it's not only a campus, it's a campus that is open kind of by definition to all sorts of different people on any different day. So unlike a corporate campus, which, you know, can be fairly controlled in terms of who has access, who can get on their networks, et cetera, um, a health system, a university would be similar, um, really doesn't. And so one of the big problems that we're seeing, you know, on the cybersecurity side for healthcare is how do you manage within those environments, particularly those environments that have all sorts of endpoints you might not know about on Mm -hmm. the network. I mean, think of like a Tesla car, right? That is sitting in a in a you know hospital parking lot, but that gets on their network, and that Tesla car could be a vector for attack. Right. So there are a lot of different vectors that you know that happen when you're at a place like a health system that you just wouldn't have to deal with in a lot of other settings. Right. That makes that makes sense. And for healthcare organizations, um, modern data architecture is a necessity. Can you talk a little bit more about this? Yeah, I mean, just think about the healthcare changes that COVID has accelerated, right? So before 2000, there you know weren't that that many telemedicine visits, right? The number of telemedicine visits in 2000 compared to 1999 was literally like 100x. I mean, it was just an astronomical growth in terms of um, what the visits look like. So you have telemedicine is just an example of what 
has, you know, COVID has catalyzed, mm-hmm. but you have so many of these different changes that are happening. And if you don't have a modern technology stack, it is incredibly difficult for you to, uh, you know, to deal with those changes. So just using telemedicine as an example, right? Right. It's not just the physical, you know, um, face-to-face contact you have with someone. You could do that on Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. They're HIPAA compliance issues, so don't literally do it on, you know, those things. But you yeah. Could. But you know, when you're thinking about how a healthcare client would have to change their technology stack, it's not just the video piece or audio piece, it's the intake, right? It's the onboarding, it's the billing. How do you set up your billing system to sort of recognize and encode that? You know, there are all sorts of these other factors that have to happen when you have a change that would seem easy, like just have your doctor call a patient on the phone versus, you know, having them come in person. And and that's just one example, right? That's just looking at what happens with telemedicine. So right. More and more and more care is being moved out to the periphery. There's in within the clinical trial space, you know, more and more and more clinical trials are decentralized, meaning a patient has to go to the site much less often. So all of these different changes have to be incorporated into the core technology stack of whomever the provider is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that requires really a modern, modular adaptable stack. And I think, you know, this past year, that's where we've seen kind of a lot of the winners separated from folks that just aren't ready. Mm, Yes. And for fintech, there seems to be a lot going on in the financial side of healthcare, insurance and payments. Can you talk about where the biggest opportunities are? Yeah, I mean, fintech within healthcare, kind of that merger is a really interesting space right now, both on the insurance side. So huge boom in Medicare Advantage over the past few years. Medicare Advantage is the fully capitated form of Medicare. So the 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 insurance provider is is also the healthcare provider, and they're taking on the full risk of the patient's outcome. And so, you know, obviously, it have to be a lot of innovations to make sure you you can adequately you know handle that risk, deliver good care, etc. Their CMS just launched, I think, in October of last year, but that date might be wrong a program whereby it's called direct contracting and it basically allows physicians that are more in a fee-for-service basis. So that's that's the a la carte, you know, like Chinese menu of I'm going to get, you know, this diagnostic test, you get reimbursed this. You're going to do a tongue depressor, you know, look at me and you're going to get reimbursed this and you sort of add it all up. That's, you know, fee-for-service. But anyway, this direct contracting program allows fee-for-service providers to start getting into value-based with Medicare. Obviously, on the commercial side, we've seen a big shift to more value-based care. So from that perspective, there's a lot of financial kind of innovation in terms of how you do that, how you underwrite that, you know, what those sort of new types of insurance look like. But then also, per kind of what we were talking about with the transformation of care going more to the edges, there's been a lot of innovation in terms of how to collect payment, Mm. right? So how do you give patients access to credit? Because the average savings account balance in the U.S. is $800. Your average deductible is $2,000. Right. That math doesn't work for patients, right? You have to figure out how can we give them access to credit? How do we figure out how to collect? Your average um, payer or sorry, provider only collects about $0.62 cents on the dollar that's owed to them by patients. Wow. Yeah, that might, you know, when, when patients were 2% of their entire revenue... The fact that they, you know, collected 
1.2 of that 2%, not a big deal. When patients are 20% of their revenue, if they're only collecting 12% instead of 20, now that's a huge issue for the practice, right? You could even see the difference between the practice being in the black and being in the red. So a lot of innovation there. Right. I'm so glad that you touched on the financial side of healthcare. And can you talk about where the industry is going as a whole? Yeah, it's a it's a sort of great macro question. There's, um, you know, you can think about it in a couple of different ways, right? On the pharmaceutical side, so, or therapeutic side, not even just pharmaceuticals, but it's really a story of sort of personalization. You still have the mega, you know, billion dollar drugs, but the number of people that those billion dollar drugs, um, you know, the number of people that are taking them is much smaller, Hmm. Right. You have this sort of personalization. We call it specialty pharmaceuticals. Right. It's it's not the pills. It's the you know injectables, things like that. So that is leading to a very different sort of evolution for healthcare. There's also we now have a lot of technology to better understand how to repurpose existing drugs for other hmm. indications. Okay. And nice. So that is yeah, that's launching a, a really interesting area of of terrific growth on the development side, not the research side, right? Because it's not a new drug, but really on the development side. So that's all happening there. The technology kind of evolution, there's obviously a lot of technology now being applied to drug discovery, which is an incredibly hot space. There's a lot of drug... There's a lot of money that has to go into solving the specialty pharmaceutical distribution problem, right? So we talked about specialty just now, how to get those drugs to patients and how to, you know, keep them on the, you know, drugs, et cetera. That's, you know, an interesting space. And then as I touched on before, care getting really driven to the edges, right? Mm -hmm. So whether that's hospital at home, whether that's a clinical trial that you can, you know, go see your local pharmacist and they can do the work or your local phlebotomist and they can do the work versus going in. Just any instance of pushing care farther out is um, is another space that's really interesting right now and certainly where healthcare is going. Yeah, I'm so glad you touched on all, all of these different points. How do you keep up with industry trends and best practices? It's a lot of conversations, right? Yeah. So we you know, have a lot of relationships with people on the payer side and the provider side to understand what they're seeing and what's going on there. Same thing with the life sciences to to understand kind of what the big trends are. Read a lot of, you know, trade publications and stuff like that. Um, And talk to a lot of people at universities, right? Mm. Particularly on the life science side and kind of new technologies are great sources of staying ahead. The other thing that I think is really important is the kind of horizontal thinking, right? So the all the subject matter expert, experts that I just discussed are within the vertical of healthcare, right? So they're answering stuff very specific to healthcare. But there's also the thinking that has to be horizontal, like what's going on in other industries? Right, yeah. How might that, you know touch on healthcare or are there models that other people have discovered in other industries that might be really applicable here? So I think the other thing is having a lot of relationships sort of across horizontally that you can draw on to find out what's going on elsewhere that may or may not be important to healthcare right now, but is good to know. Right. And a lot of people, you know, are with you, they use peer groups or they collaborate with um, other folks in the industry or talk to other folks outside their industry um, that are on their same level. So yeah, it's probably the best place to learn. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing, we meet about 15 new companies every week. Mm. So 
know, when you're just talking to that volume of terrific entrepreneurs doing interesting things, you do get a sense of where the trends are, are going just by sheer numbers. Yeah. Y'all get a unique perspective too, looking into the business models and so on and so forth of different companies and different industries. That's really cool. Yeah. Anya, thank you again for your time today. And listeners, thank you for joining the Hypocritical Podcast. A few announcements. Our next virtual conference is called Pawbox Spring Summit 2021, Secure Communication During a Pandemic, and will take place virtually on April 6th. We are actively looking for event sponsors and attendance is completely free. If you're interested in attending for free or sponsoring, please go ahead and send an email to myself at Sierra, S-I-E-R-R-A at P-A-U-B-O-X dot com. We are now doing monthly Zoom social mixers, and this is a place for networking for our customers and non-customers. Each attendee will receive booze of their choice um, sent to you before the two-hour virtual event that will take place over Zoom. Attendance is completely free, and please send an email to, again, sierra at pawbox.com if you would like to attend. As a reminder, you can listen to other podcasts at pawbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. Thanks again, and see you next time.